Blog Talk Radio. to give you, uh, or or click to talk in via Skype if you prefer. That's fine too, and uh, uh, and then I will put you on the air, on the internet air, and you will have the opportunity to opportunity to read a poem as well as talk to us about what's going on in your world in poetry. Maybe you have a new book out you want to tell us about. Maybe you're very excited about your website and you'd like more people to come check it out. Well, you could you could tell us that about that too. Uh, maybe you've got something funky going on on Facebook you want to want to point us to. Um, I don't know what it is that you might have. Maybe you live in a town where there's a poetry reading, and you want to tell people about the poetry reading. That's cool. That's really cool. So all you have to do is call in. The number again, 646-716-7362. And uh, we'll get to you. We'll put you on the air. It'll be fantastic. It's going to be awesome. All right. So I want to, uh, before we get to our callers, I want to let you know about some things going on here on uh, in the world of poetry. First of all, it's National Poetry Month, uh, which I realized uh, might be only an American thing. Um, there are many people... In the world, period. And uh, many of them don't live in America. I know that here in the United States, it's National Poetry Month. Do you have that in your country? I'm not sure. Uh, But we're doing something very cool to celebrate National Poetry Month, which we invite everyone in the world to participate in, even if your country doesn't officially recognize National Poetry Month. And that is we are publishing a poetry prompt every single day during the month of April. How does that work? Well, a few weeks ago, before April began, we sent out a call for submissions of poetry writing prompts. And uh, many came in, far more than the uh, 30 days of April. Is it 30? I forget how Oh, yes, it is 30. I had to check my information. And every single day, uh, at midnight, my time, I'm posting a new poetry writing prompt. So many people participate in uh, National Poetry Writing Month or participate in it as, a, as an opportunity to write a poem every month. Uh, there's, there's sort of a general challenge out there to poets to write a poem every day during the month of April. 
Well, we're taking it um, – well, I don't know that we're taking it a step further, but we're uh, trying to help you if you're someone who wants to participate in that. Or just if you want to write any poem ever, uh, this could help you. So every every night I'm posting a new prompt every day for the month of April. So currently we're in the seventh day of April, if I – Know my days, uh, and we're looking at the seventh prompt. So far, we've had well, we opened up with a prompt from Laurel Ann Bogan, who uh, was a uh, who's a Los Angeles poet and teacher. Um, Nick Patrone was our second poetry prompt giver. He was a judge and winner of previous poetry superhighway contests. Jim Knowles, same same boat for him. Daniel Irwin was on the fourth. Lori Williams on the fifth. Brennan Constantine, Los Angeles poet. And teacher of poetry uh, was uh, yesterday's prompt. And today, our prompt is provided by Erin Elizabeth Smith. She uh, she runs Sundress Publications, which uh, you can check out at uh, sundresspublications.com. Uh, they publish a number of different online journals and have all kinds of different cool projects you can check out, including the Best of the Net anthology, where different uh, online publications uh, submit nominations of poems that they have published during the year, uh, which then get uh, reviewed by, uh, I guess, reviewed a second time by the editors of the Best of the Net anthology, and then it's uh, published. So uh, there's a writing prompt upped from her today. And if you want to find the prompts, you can just go to poetrysuperhighway.com, and they're right there. In the right-hand column, it says today's prompt, and uh, there's a link right to that prompt of the day. If you want to see all of the prompts, uh, if you uh, look at the Poetry Superhighway website in the menu at the top, there's a little pull-down menu on the right that says Special Projects. And uh, one of the items in there is a prompt today, and you can click on the link in there, and it'll take you to a page with, with all of the prompts so far are listed. They'll be there in perpetuity, so if you aren't participating now and you want to look back at some writing ideas, they are there for you for the rest of our natural lives. And here's another cool component of that that uh, perhaps you weren't aware of. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, it's a group, I guess. Uh, poet, if you go to uh, uh, Facebook, search for Poetry Superhighway, or go to our website and click on the Facebook icon, and it'll take you right there. Click to uh, request to join, and, and I'll uh, I'll uh, see that invitation. And and uh, well, no one's declined. You just can't automatically uh, be in a group without being approved. So that's that's why there's that step. But anyway, join the group. The prompts are also posted there every day. And uh, if you write a poem based on one of those prompts, you can post it in the comments to that prompt. And a number of people have done that, and it's uh, it's really cool. It's it's awesome to see. Uh, writing being inspired by these prompts that people have been uh, submitting and that we've been publishing the last couple of uh, well, the last week or so. Um, also, uh, speaking of the Poetry Superhighway Facebook group, it is available to you if uh, uh, if you have poetry news, just like this show is available for you to post writing prompts or uh, news about what's going on in your poetry world, a website link, a link to your website, or just po- post poems there anytime you want. It's, it's really open to, to anything. Be, be kind in how much you do that if you choose to participate, as you uh, may know if you participate in Facebook. If you're a member of a group, anytime someone posts something to it, it automatically gets sent to that person. So you want to kind of limit 
you know, don't post like 10 poems. I, I wouldn't post more than one thing a day personally. That's the general guideline. But there you go. That's everything. That's uh, that's everything about uh, the Poetry Writing Prompt A Day Project. Um, all right. Before we get to our first caller, uh, one more thing to tell you. Again, the number to call in is area code 646-716-7362. Call in. We'd love to hear your poem. Um, tonight at sunset in uh, wherever you are in the world begins Yom HaShoah, which is Holocaust Remembrance Day. And uh, as we've done every year, this is our 15th year doing this, we publish a an online anthology, really it's turned into, or a special issue at least, um, for Holocaust Remembrance Day. And that just went up yesterday. We, of course, put our issues up on, on Saturdays, as you may know. And uh, so much work gets submitted to this, and, and normally I publish just two poets uh, a week. But for this special issue, because I find, uh, I believe that uh, having the opportunity to respond to the Holocaust, uh, keeping the memory of what happened there alive is so important, um, I suspend that that limitation and publish um, a lot of the poetry that gets submitted. I've, and and it's, 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 it's a lot of work. Um, many hours go into it. Um, and I thought I was being – usually there's a very tight turnaround, and I kind of shortened it this year because I wanted to make sure I could give everything its due diligence. So um, I sent out the uh, the uh, call for submissions on Wednesday as opposed to the, the, the weekend before, uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday for this Saturday's issue. And I still got more poetry submitted than ever before. So it was not actually less work for me. Um, 89 poets from all over the world – are represented this year in this special issue commemorating the Holocaust in many different ways. There are uh, poems there that that um, you know make an effort to to react to the whole horror of, of of the Holocaust. There are poems which which hone in on a particular event or a particular person's experience or a particular person's response. Um, uh, metaphorical pieces um, that deal with the issues of the Holocaust. It's really an extraordinary issue, and I encourage you to check it out. Go to our website, PoetrySuperHighway.com, and it's the current issue, our 15th annual Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day issue. All right. That's everything I need to tell you for now. There's other things I have to tell you, but I'm going to tell you them later. Um, The number to call in is 646-716- Seven six three two. Our first caller is I don't know. It's a bunch of ones, probably a blocked number. Hello, who am I talking to? This is Don Rick. Hi, Don. Three things that come up. The first of all, in recognition of or observation of today and this week how sick those words become. Ich war nur meiner Ordnung getan. I was just doing my orders. And uh, the second is the poem that I'm going to share is called In the Finn's Sauna. And this is in memory of Anselm Hollo. 12 April 1934, 29 January 
2013 in the Finns sauna. On his forehead sweats a drip of thought, a drip of feeling, a drip of insight, a three drip trick poet of a man. In text. And then last of all, the third thing I'd like to bring up is if you would withdraw my three poems to the ekphrastic competition or whatever, I'm sure then that um, it would lessen any hassle if I'm a contender and um, get move the thing towards publication. Okay. Uh, Don, you know, one poetry – first of all, thank you for your poem, and thank you for reminding us of that um, that phrase that came out of the Holocaust. Uh, that's, um, of course, a very powerful reminder and, and, and something that uh, during the Nuremberg trials kept coming up uh, as, as uh, Nazis were, were defending themselves. Um, and uh, I appreciate you reminding us of that. Um, you know, I uh, it, it's any one – Poet withdrawing their work from the uh, ekphrastic poetry anthology that uh, that I'm still reading for um, is not going to make a big difference, and uh, th- there's not really any reason for for, for you to re- withdraw your work unless you just don't want me to consider it. Um, well, so, uh, I was thinking that it might speed up, you know, if uh, if others would hear this also and consider whether or not they would also like to withdraw in order to st- speed up the selection process and therefore get the publication to press. Uh, no, I, I I don't think that's a good idea. Um, no. I, 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 I would not really want every person to <laughs> withdraw their poetry. Cause, I know, but who's who's to decide? I mean, you know, it's just it's uh, it's taken a while to get through it, but um, I uh, it will be gotten through, and we yeah. will we will uh, we will get to it. I think people withdrawing because it 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 hasn't happened yet. I mean, some some you know anthologies take take a year or more to 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 read from their announcement, and we're we're just you know uh, a few months into this, and and it's it's the next big project that that I'll be focusing on. So I, I no one needs to. Withdraw their work from from submission. An over-year uh, bean soup. What's that? An over-a-year bean soup. You know, I just ate, so I'm going to have to decline <laughs> that offer. Um, but I, it's it's very generous. <laughs> Is there anything going on in a, in a Sonoma that you want to mention to us? Not so much in Sonoma, but there was a an acknowledgement of the death of Holo uh, this uh, Saturday, yesterday, between 4 and about 7 at the um, Art Academy, and it was put on by the Poetry Center at San Francisco State in conjunction with other institutions that wanted to acknowledge um, his death and more so to point towards his life and some of the jokes that he cracked and his general demeanor. You know, you have cancer of the brain, and uh, 
and um, I don't know. It's it's better to be shot or or uh, beaten or knifed or something else than have to have cancer of the brain. And but his wife was there, his second wife, and the important thing there was she was the one that nudged and talked to him about not drinking anymore. And so she helped to get him sober and and resettled into riding. And then his uh, his son from his first uh, marriage was there also. And so um, it was reported to be a uh, uh, a very jolly but solemnitous uh, gathering of people. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you can have both at the same way, but laughing and weeping sort of conjoin and uh, you enjoy. Now, tell me who this was again. I, I'm not familiar with the name. It is Anselm Holo. He was a translator over at uh, Naropa. Mm-hmm. Used to be contracted out by BBC in in the UK, and then came here to teach, but he didn't have an advanced degree, and so he could only get appointed uh, on a yearly contract for a specialty in poetry hmm. until he got full professorship at uh, at Naropa, at the, um, what is it, the Disemboweled School of, oh, I can't remember his name. I can see his face, and I can't remember his name. Oh my God, my memory is becoming more of a forgettery. I apologize on air and to you and to uh, whoever. Well, I, that's that's okay. Um, uh, it's uh, it's it's a loss nonetheless, um, and I'm uh, it's it's uh, thanks for bringing bringing that to our attention as well. Um, uh, it's. Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's a week to to think about loss. So I um, uh, thank you. And, and if if you had a particular relationship with with him, then then uh, just then as my reader, just as appreciator and reader, okay, uh, very important to me. Just as much as your what mentors on the page are important to you, I acknowledge this, and you acknowledge yours. But you're more closed, I think, than I am. I'm more closed than you. What does that mean? I don't think uh, uh, you're a little bit more withdrawn about making that public. Oh, I see what you're saying about who, what people I regard as as uh, mentors. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, no one's no one's asked. Um, I, you know, it's. Uh, and 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 gladly uh, at the moment uh, none of them have died, so I haven't had the chance to bring it up. But I'd be happy to talk about the people who I, you know, have uh, have influenced me poetically. And in fact, there that's it's it's uh, there's been a couple of interviews with me um, over the last year or so, which have been published. And you can go to my website, poetrysuperhighway.com, and click on uh, publication and interview at the top. And and I've I've actually been asked, you know, who are the people who who, who oh. have you know. Who are the poets, who've in, the writers, etc., who've influenced me uh, the most? Um, I don't, mentor may not be the right word, but you know the people, at least as as you described on the page, who 
you know, um, whose work I have particularly enjoyed. Though actually some of these folks I do know and have seen them read and, and consider them, you know, a mentors in that sense. And I, I, I lay them right out there. So uh, in, in particular in this show, I try to make it a bit more about uh, – uh, well, not a bit more, but uh, really exclusively about the people who are calling in, you know, uh, which is kind of really in general the mission of the Poetry Superhighway overall, which is to expose – you know, as many people to as many other people's poetry as possible. I could, I could do a whole show just about me, <laughs> happily. I'm not closed. Who wants a show about me? Anybody? Raise your hand. Kerouac, the disemboweled school of beat poetry was Jack Kerouac, but he wasn't so much of a poet. But I guess Ginsburg would be in there too. But thank you very much for your perseverance, sweat equity. It sort of goes in with a sauna. And uh, may it bring rewards, if not immediately to you, to others. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was uh, Don calling from Sonoma, California, uh, calling me to task on a number of things. Uh, you're not the first, Don. <laughs> you may be the nicest, though. I'll have to say, yeah, you can, you can. Uh, I, I'm happy to answer your questions about anything, uh, anything you'd like. Though, again, the, the focus here is really not me. That's um, not the purpose of this show. I, I have a secret show, which is about me. That, uh, that I'm the only one who listens to. Um, it's on. Well, it's on every day. <laughs> Right here in my office. Uh, this is uh, it. Just happens. Uh, my cats seem pretty into it, um, so that's cool. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, the number to call in uh, is six four six seven one six seven three six two. Or, of course, you can uh, click to Skype in. Uh, you could use your cell phone. You could use your landline. We don't take smoke signals. I want to be clear on that. Uh, but um, that's okay. Uh, well, speaking of this not being about me, I'd like to tell you something about me. Um, as you may know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my new book, my 15th collection of poetry, called... Nothing in New England is New was published. I'm very excited about it. It's all poetry I wrote uh, on a trip to New England, various cities that my wife and I traveled to last summer, last July. We, uh, uh, it was actually very cool. We went to the Springfield Museums in, uh, in Springfield. Um, man, I forget what state that's in. That's kind of the... Uh, issue with the Simpsons. There's so many Springfields, they just won't tell us which one it is. Uh, but it's where the uh, Dr. Seuss uh, Memorial bur uh, Place and uh, and Museum is. It's the town that he was born and grew up in as well. Uh, wrote some poems there. We headed on to Pro um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, which is an extraordinarily cute little town. Wrote some poetry there. Uh, drove through Salem, Massachusetts, where they had, uh, of course, the witch trials and the uh, uh, a writer's landmark actually. Nathaniel Hawthorne lived and wrote there, and his house 
where he uh, he uh, spent some of his life is on the property of the House of the Seven Gables, uh, right there in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, we spent so wrote a bunch of poetry there. Wrote a bunch of poetry uh, a, a few days over the Fourth of July in in Boston. Uh, much of which I, I was sober for. Um, and then we traveled through Plymouth, Massachusetts, where we uh, got a glimpse of uh, Plymouth Rock, wrote some poems there. And we ended our trip in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, where, uh, which is the home of uh, the Rhode Island School of Design and the Rhode Island School of Design Museum, which we spent a good amount of time in. And... The book finishes with 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 poetry written there, in particular um, a section called Water Fire. They have this unique event in Providence, where um, uh, to put it quite simply, they they set the river on fire. Um, an artist conceived of this project, and basically they they've uh, they have stationed throughout the river um, a number of permanent, basically floating fire pits. And on certain Saturdays throughout the summer, they uh, the the whole town and probably the whole region gathers along the banks of the river, and music starts playing uh, through various speaker stations all over town along the banks of the river. And when the sun sets, people come by in boats, on canoes and, and things like that. People dressed uh, in Native American garb, people uh, spinning uh, batons of fire, um, and they they light all of these fire pits. And the music is playing, and the music is different every time that they do this, and it's chosen by the artist who, who uh, conceived of water fire. It's really an extraordinary and unique event that I haven't seen anywhere else in the world. hadn't heard of anywhere else in the world. We were so lucky to uh, – it was just an accident really that we were in Providence at that particular time when uh, – during a water fire. Uh, well worth checking out at least once in your life and, and a good amount of poetry came from, from that unique experience as well. Um, so the book is called Nothing in New England is New. It's available now. You can see a few poems from it on my website, PoetrySuperHighway.com, uh, one of which was published in the current issue of the Bicycle Review. Um, I wrote a, a, some observations at, um, at a little, uh, a little uh, eatery, a breakfast place in Portsmouth, New Hampshire called uh, Colby's, uh, which was a, a really great find, local spot. Um, and uh, at Colby's Breakfast and Lunch is featured – uh, in the current issue of the Bicycle Review, which you can check out at uh, bicyclereview.net. Um, also, some other poems are right on my website, so you can get a sampling of what it looks like. You can see the book cover, etc. And you can uh, purchase a copy if you want. It's also available um, on Amazon, uh, though. Um, well, no, it's available on Amazon. Nothing, nothing else to tell you about about that. So, why do I bring this up now? Because uh, speaking of this show not being about me, next week we're having a special. Um, edition of Poetry Superhighway Live, uh, and it will feature a conversation with me and Orange County poet James Palacio. James uh, has been an organizer of poetry and poets here in Southern California uh, for years and years and years, at least as long as I've been involved with the community, which is which is over 20 years um, at this point. 
when I say the community, I mean the greater Southern California poetry community. Orange County isn't particularly close to where I live in uh, in L.A. Uh, and uh, uh, James also does a um, uh, a radio show on a local radio station, KPFK, which is a public radio station. Uh, called the Poets Cafe. He uh, shares the hosting duties on that show with a number of other local poets, and um, I was lucky enough to be interviewed uh, by James uh, last year on that show. You can check it out online. Actually, on my website, on on uh, audio video, there's a, a link that you can listen to the whole show. It was a real fun conversation. Um, so when I had my uh, uh, was putting this book out, I wanted to do. You know, typically you do kind of an online you, – you do maybe a publication reading in person. I've got got some readings coming up locally, uh, which will be doing that. Uh, but um, I wanted to uh, do something which was, you know, I guess available, if that's the right word, to everyone in the world. So I um, uh, scheduled a conversation with James. So next week, Sunday, uh, April – Let's see, 8, 9, 10, 11, 14th, I guess it is. It's next Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific. Again, this is right on the website, right on the Blog Talk Radio page as well. Plus, an email will go out. Um, we will be um, having a conversation. James will be uh, James and I will be talking about my new book. I'll be reading from it, um, uh, maybe taking your calls. I don't know. It's really all – it's up to James what happens. Um, uh, but it will be kind of an in-depth look at this new book of mine, uh, and I'm very, very excited about that. All right, uh, moving on. Um, it's the half-hour mark of the show. I want to remind you uh, our call-in number is 646-716-7362. There are no content or style restrictions here on Poetry Superhighway Live. We really encourage anyone to read anything um, at all. Um, what we try to do at the half-hour mark here is to play a spoken word piece. Um, that is a, a track that someone submitted um, that's, that's different from, per se, uh, a, a straight reading. Um, so this is one that I've played in the past that I'm going to play uh, again for you. Um, this is um, <clears throat> by uh, uh, Jerry Garcia, Los Angeles poet. Um, this is a recording that he did uh, at Beyond Baroque Literary Arts Center in Venice, California, where he read his poetry set to, uh, set to music. It's uh, very cool. Um, here's his piece called Insulation. Oh, baby, you were so out of control, falling out of your dance dress under a narcotic evening moon. You thought you still had it together. You screamed terror. I thought your heart would tear open right there. So loudly you roared, I don't care. And at that moment, I saw the switch to your wits shut down its current. That's right, you didn't care. You didn't worry about the confusion of uppers or downers. You didn't lose sleep over thoughts of dehydration, impending starvation. So quickly, like a sponge out of water, your in-style body became dried flesh. Now you sprawl on cigarette butts and dry chewing gum. Stiletto heels awkwardly sidestep your skeletal frame. You've doubled your pleasure right onto the streets. Counting days backwards, your lights dim. Your eyes are two hollow storerooms 
insulation as thick as the buildings around you, electrical conductors inert, sparks incomplete, flashing recall. Champagne flutes, pills by the handful, cocaine lines jump cutting to crack pipes, and the sad faces of former friends, caretakers held hostage too long by your room. Ten Sunday mornings later, corner of Cahuenga and Vine, newspaper man hawking headlines, drooped across cement lines, your dancewear smudged and greasy, pantyhose shredded, caked in homeless grime, heels busted, corroding like the handle of your rusted vanity mirror, you clutch a styrofoam cup full of coins from Samaritans walking towards their redemption. Church bells thump in the distance. I hope you're snapping and clapping wherever you are in the world. That was Jerry Garcia with his poem, Insulation, that uh, was a spoken word track that he submitted to me. Uh, a while back. Uh, maybe you have a spoken word track that you would like to send in for uh, this show to play at the half hour mark. This is something different from you just reading a poem straight. This is really um, uh, something that would be uh, more suited to, I mean, because you can just call in and read a poem, right? So uh, what we're kind of looking for here is um, something that, that would be more a track, you know, something that you've mixed with music, a live recording at least, that, that would have an audience reaction, uh, something that's just a little different that um, uh, that's beyond just you reading a poem. So um, uh, if you have something like that, send me the MP3. Send it to rick at poetrysuperhighway.com, and I will consider playing it at the half-hour mark here on Poetry Superhighway Live. All right, the number to call in is 646-716-7362. Call in. Again, no no content or style restrictions. I uh, would love to hear uh, your poem. This is a great opportunity for you to to share to a potentially worldwide audience. Um, if you've never read poetry before, it's a really good opportunity to do so um, in uh, a really easy opportunity to uh, do so um, as you're not really in front of anyone. You've got, uh, you've just got you and your phone in a, in a private room by yourself. Uh, I know that probably describes a lot of situations, but in particular, it's, it's the least nerve wracking way that you can, uh, uh, read your poem in public. So so be brave. Call in 646-716-7362. Our next caller, uh, let's see, it looks like a lot of call I'm talking to. Anybody Hello, Rick. There? Yeah. Can you hear me, Rick? I can hear you. It's, Mike. yeah, it's Michael in Birmingham. I would have thought you had a lot more callers, National Poetry Month. I wanted to make sure I called in this month because it's National Poetry Month in celebration of the month, and also to wish you a a great, wonderful, productive National Poetry Month because of everything you do for poetry, including this program, every uh, monthly on a Sunday. And also I want to congratulate you on the 15th annual Holocaust Remembrance issue. Thank you. How many poets were 89 this time? 89, yeah. Is that the largest number ever been for an issue? 
It is the largest number, and that's it's kind of uh, it was also the shortest submission period. There were, it was only open for for basically two and a half days. So I don't well, know what happened. I'm glad, but... you, I'm glad you mentioned that <laughs> because I said I'm not going to have anything, and I just don't force read. You know, that's like force feeding. I don't I don't force write. That's like force reading and, uh, and feeding and writing. But it's okay. There were some good selections. I guess people will already have something from their portfolio that they can submit. I didn't this year. However, I came across a painting by Chagall, which I think might inspire me for something for next year. Because I'll do that if I know that it's, um, I'm going to have something. I'll put it in my file and kind of highlight it so I know when that spring comes around I might, and it's close to the submission time then I know to kind of go to that or anyway I might have got an inspiration for something for next year's issue I thought I'd share that with you at this point now I will share a small poem for this season prompted by Jack Kerouac and that he was attracted to the uh, west the, the oriental haiku he liked that and he uh, during the beat movement he brought it into our canon of literature and called it the Western haiku, uh, and that it's as an Occidental, uh, that it, the language difference. I don't want to get academic about it, but I like what he did. He just kind of made it simple, three very short lines that give you a strong picture, and that picture has a, a strong subtext resonance. Um, storing Christmas, storing Christmas ornaments in a straw-filled Easter basket. Storing Christmas ornaments, and a straw-filled Easter basket. Rick, I was hoping you had a lot more callers for National Poetry Month, and perhaps you do, so I'll go ahead and and show myself to the door now, <laughs> and I'll hopefully talk to you next month. I love how, uh, Michael, whenever you're, uh, you call in, you kind of take over as host. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how about not take over, but how about I kind of co-host with you or... Well, let me, let me let me think about that. So wait, before I let you go, that the Jack Kerouac uh, uh, influence piece. What, do, do you consider Kerouac to be one of your great influences? Um, I have a lot of influences. I'd say he's one that's more kind of like closer to my time frame. You know, but there's Edgar Allan Poe, but he was 19th century. A lot of 19th century, uh, but Paul, you know, but uh, Jack Kerouac uh, from the um, you know my generation, you know. 50s. He's a little older than I was, but I, I relate to him. I took it was first when I first read his essay on uh, what he the not that it was real academic, but when he as he called it, you know, the, he was attracted to the Oriental haiku, and um, he wanted to westernize it as an Occidental, make it contemporary to our time. Uh, he says it, he says it's a good writing exercise. You're not writing something long or extensive. To kind of like sketch these down to keep your uh, your poetry uh, skills agile and, and exercise, and I like the way he simplified. And there's the you can get into the linguistic difference. You know, some would say there's no such thing as a haiku in the English language. I would not totally agree with that. I mean, it's not going to be pure Oriental basho, but I do think that we have our own um, version of it. And I think he phrased it. You know, I like the way he phrased it. Not too academic, but kind of in every man's language, everyday language. And so mine are kind of influenced by that. Three short lines and that give a strong image that resonates, kind of like the pedal, the pebble, not the, the, pep, the pebble dropping on the surface of a pond and resonating in the ring. So. 
Well, I'm I'm interested in this. When you say three four three short lines, does that does that even limit you to? Uh, does that include the guideline that it has to be five seven and five syllables or or not? I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't count syllables. In other okay. words, what I liked about the Western haiku and the way he phrased it is you're not enslaved to a syllabic count because especially for beginning writers, when you give them that five seven five, they think you know it's not unusual that they will try to insert in their five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Oh, I have a haiku. And sometimes there's not even an image there. See, in the 20th century, early 20th century, uh, Ezra Pound, uh, 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 I think Amy Lowell was her name, the images, well, they also were attracted by the haiku because of that imagistic quality. Uh, another way to phrase the haiku is the um, uh, an imagemic implication, the image. No, William Carlos Williams, no idea, but in things, let the image speak. Hmm. Do pellets, do pellets running off a stop sign. I like the urban, the way that people in the Western haiku have brought in the urban element also. I like urban haiku, do pellets right. running off a stop sign. I know that's like cheating doing another form. I didn't mean it that way, but we were talking, so it served as an example. But um, by midnight, the silhouette of a swan orbits the moon. So you know, my understanding, yeah, yeah. Is, you know, in in terms of the classic haiku definition, you might know more about this. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is that you know uh, uh, the the classic definition? It's five seven five in terms of syllable count, uh-huh. and it has to have a, a nature reference of some kind. Yes, but see, I believe in more of a freer interpretation of it. So you know, it I use I use the dichotomy or continuum. Purists. I mean, how purists are we going to be about it? You know, but there's some that will say there's no such thing as a French translation of a French form translated into uh, English. I mean, there were some who were that strict about that. There's really no such thing. You know, there's, so I mean, naturally, I guess in the English language linguistics, there's not really because of the language differences, the phonetics. I, you know, there again, I'm, I'm, that would get a little too specialized. But I don't write 575. I don't think syllabic count. In fact, a lot of times when people ask me about their high school, I'll say, free yourself up from the syllabic count. You don't have to. go Get your image down there. I mean, I, 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 not I like when people write a haiku, I know, and I have a chance to, I love it to see, not to critique it for them, but just to see where they come from. But a lot of times, you know, I guide them towards, you know, let's forget about, you know, 575 and go with the image, you know, the strong image count. Right. And if it, and most likely, you know, as I think it was Jack Kerouac said, uh, five seven five, that seventeen syllables, actually, that's going to be too heavy if you consider the the Oriental aesthetic of haiku. Seventeen syllables is going to be way too heavy uh, because the quality of the haiku is the, what they call it, the one breath. It drops like with one breath. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's certainly you know, it's it's one thing to. Um, to I might, stri- I'm, I need to let you. I need to let you know. I'm going up this hill incline. I'm on my cell phone. I'm driving. I might very well lose you, but no. Needless to say, just know that. Needless to say, that it wasn't intentional. I may not lose you. So far, so good. But if that happens, um, then you probably want to go move on to your next caller. I understood. Uh, my I'm, I'm you're you're always I, calling. I like that we're having this conversation. But go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah, I, I was just going to say you're you're always calling when you're. 
when you're driving, uh, as I recall from past, I, I'm fairly sure that this show is going to going to kill you someday. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. But just, just <laughs> no, 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 no. Just no, be careful. But the, what I wanted to but, say, though, um, it was um, uh, uh, did you know the the five seven five syllables plus the, the nature reference um, uh, did did I mean it worked pretty well for the Japanese, and that's what what probably a lot of people still follow. So what what specifically did Kerouac say? You know, was was a haiku. Okay. Uh, Three short lines. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the essay in front of me. I don't, even, uh, I don't even know where I came across the essay. But I'd say it was in about 15 years ago, and it's always stayed with me. I have a Xerox copy somewhere. It might be in one of his books, uh, um, the introduction to one of his books. Um, but three short lines that give us a strong picture that create us. He used the word picture. I remember that. He didn't use image. He used the word picture, and I like that because that's ecstatic to me, you know, words that created as a, a picture that get, left a strong impression. You know, in other words, that you got through reading it, you just couldn't discard it from me. It kind of stayed with you like the aroma from a coffee. Uh, so you have a, a three three short lines <laughs> that give us that create a, a, a strong lasting picture that stays with you, a red, uh, uh, strikes a chord with you, uh, uh, strikes a universal. And he called it Western as an Occidental. I say that because you know, some may think, you know, well, Western, the Western movies here in America. But no, he was Western as an Occidental. He called it, I call it the snapshot point myself. That brings photography into it. Got it. All right. Well, Michael, thank you. Uh, thanks very much for um, uh, giving us all that uh, that insight into uh, the haiku. It's amazing how much conversation can go into the shortest possible poetry form. Uh, uh, and I'll but, say, oh, go ahead. Uh, if, are you? You got a final word? Well, no. It's just I, I want to share with you what I think it was Basho who said, and I think you'll relate to this, and because it kind of cuts across the cultures altogether. And it can also be what he said of haiku could be said of art, could be said of poetry. It's e- haiku is easy to understand but difficult to master. Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, well, Michael, um, please don't drive off the road as you're listening to the I've show. Pull, I've, pulled over, I've pulled over to the side of the road because I think when I make my next, next left term, I might drop you. But I'm glad that we could dialogue. I call it dialoguing, not co-hosting so much, but kind of dialoguing with you. But sometimes when I'm, when I'm speaking to you on this program, I feel like <laughs> if I were ever on the David Letterman show, because I like him, uh, I, I, if I had to be on the talk show, I'd like to be on his show. Or what's the guy from Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Fallon? I wouldn't mind guess being on his show. But if that's, I thought you might want to know, and I think you might. I hope that you would get a kick out of this. That um, that's the kind. Of, sometimes it's that kind of experience for me. Like I'm on a, <laughs> and I like that. I'm gonna tell you. I, I give that. I say that to you as a compliment. That's the kind of experience for me. So I enjoy that. I hope that you. Are, I hope that it's. I appreciate it, Michael. Um, well, you know, and it, it, it is also um, it is also a show, so it does make sense, right? You know, you're uh, uh, you, you. This is really the exact same thing as being on. Uh, the Jimmy Fallon show. So um, I'm glad you made that uh, observation there. Thank you for calling in. Talk to you next time. That was uh, Michael calling from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, giving us some insight into uh, uh, some of his influences in particular, conversing about haiku. And and he knows a lot about uh, uh, Kerouac, what Kerouac said about uh, haiku. That's pretty interesting. I I tend to... um, 
when I write a haiku, I tend to stick to the uh, five seven five. Um, not necessarily a uh, a nature influence included in it. Um, I heard once that if you, if you don't include a, na- a, a reference to nature in haiku, that it's actually a, a senryu, uh, a haiku being a form of the senryu. Um, Mine tend to be sometimes humorous observations, which don't necessarily mention nature. So I might be writing Senryu after all, but uh, uh, so who knows? Um, but there you go. Okay, the number to call in is 646-716-7362. Our next caller is from the 818 area code. Hi. Hi. Hi, who's Hello. this? Hi, this is Sarah from uh, Brooklyn. I'm actually I'm from the 818 area code area, but um, I'm living in Brooklyn right now. Uh, well, that's interesting. I thought I was uh, putting on a local caller, but but you're you fooled me. <laughs> you're calling from Brooklyn, which well, is I much. I actually encountered you at the Cobalt Reading Series, and I, my parents lived close to there, so that was kind of <laughs> oh, how this when, came about. When were you there? Oh boy, um, I guess. It, it must have been maybe a winter time thing or summer. I, you know, I, I was home for a break, and I think I only went through there one time. Um, so it was either winter or summer <laughs> sometime <laughs> yeah. in the past. That's what you're telling me? Yeah. It's narrowed it down some. It definitely wasn't spring or fall. No, no, definitely not. I read I read a poem called "You're a Paint Can." I don't know if that was a memorable thing or not. But um, I did. <laughs> what was it like within the last year? Would you say it was a couple years ago? What uh... within the last year, maybe year and a half? Um, I was there with a friend. Uh, I'm at Long Island University in the MFA program. Uh, in uh, in writing. Yeah, creative writing. Cool. Um, do you know who was reading the night you were there? Hmm. Well, there was a guy who told um, like a long epic story um, about his journey, and it was inclusive of a lot of you know references to parts of the body. <laughs> and that, that was our <laughs> that was our featured reader, or was that? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, he he was in the open reading. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I know exactly what oh, you're talking about. Oh, but the featured reader was someone that um, I think was from Facebook, like an internet person. Um, and she, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we're we're going to narrow it down more here. The featured reader was was someone who was on Facebook. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, That's... well, I guess the guy who introduced her um, had discovered her poetry on Facebook. And that okay. Was something that stuck out to me about it. Interesting. Sarah, did you grow up here in the valley, or or did did just your parents live here now? I mostly grew up there. I think I moved when I was in sixth grade all the way through high school. So a significant amount of time. Cool. And and uh, you're you're getting a, a an MFA in creative writing. Is that right? Did you say that? Right. Yeah. I actually just turned my thesis in on Friday. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, it feels unceremonious somewhat, but uh, it's a good thing. Um, I actually well, called because I was listening. <laughs> um, I wanted to just contribute um, a couple of nuggets on the haiku discussion. I don't mean to perpetuate no, it too much. No, please. Go ahead. Um, 
my first semester in this program, I took a workshop with Ann Waldman, and she talked a lot about the haiku. Um, and one of the things, well, one of the smaller details was that not just a nature reference, but also a reference to the season. So like summer, winter, fall, spring um, was usually a, a requirement or a um, convention. And then also the way that she talked about how each line operated within the three lines structure was that one was a kind of like cosmic reference and then you kind of zoom in a little bit to like earth and nature I guess that's part of the nature reference and then the last thing is you know the individual um, kind of like in the head um, so kind of zooming in I guess just large to small or small to large uh, focusing on some particular element of that's cool. I mean, do you, you know, being in a program that you're in and having had a teacher who had, you know, very, you know, very specific concept of 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 the haiku. Uh, what, what what do you think about, you know, folks who might just write three lines with that syllable count but not, you know, uh include a na- nature or seasonal reference or something like that? Is it is that still a haiku or is it something else? I you know, it's a really inter- interesting discussion, you know, b- labeling of forms and of genre in general. Um, I think if you're going to take the term haiku, um, I'm, I'm kind of a traditionalist. You know, I think it, it, you're going to write a haiku, it's going to be a haiku um, following these certain parameters. Um, unless there's something going on about calling it that, and then having a poem that doesn't follow those requirements, like as though there was a space that you were creating between the relationship of the label of the form and then kind of going against that form, you know? Like right. I'm thinking about uh, like Ted Berrigan's sonnets, for example. Um, you know, they're not traditional Shakespearean sonnets, you know, that you don't count the feet, there's no rhyme scheme, and, you know, it doesn't even really follow the, you know, last couplet sentiment, you know? summing up acts at all. Um, but there was something interesting about calling them sonnets, and then, you know, they're cut up, so, um, you know, there's even something else. Uh, but there seems to be a tension between taking on that, you know, using that name for that form rather than just calling them poems. Um, right. I mean, know? it's 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 definitely a form i i guess if you're if you're you know mandating that you stick to this these three lines in a syllable count but maybe it it needs a different label or maybe it's the broader senryu you know uh, a term or or something i don't know i mean i i you know you you hear a lot it, it kind of uh, i'm someone who sort of floats back and forth between what might be labeled you know the the page poet and the spoken word poet communities and 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 there's where there's a lot of tension you know and and where where people want to label things and people are vehemently against labeling things or 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 forbidding oneself from calling something poetry or particular form so it's interesting to know that there are these examples of people who um like Berrigan etc who you know uh you use these labels but but in a way uh you know stayed away from from the characteristics of them or you know so the tension exists on on all sides to to some extent um i'm i'm personally a proponent at, at least you know in the broader sense um of you know before you decide to to stray from the rules you should at least know what they are you know right right um 
because uh, I don't have a problem with people avoiding the rules or, or not using them, but you know, I think you need to there, there needs to be an education about what they are before you 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 just write them off altogether. Um, hey, uh, do you have a poem to read? Oh, sure. Yeah, let me read you a poem. Um, okay, I'm gonna read a poem. It's called Inside of It. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, uh, Inside of It. I am part of the sky and the grass outside. I am apart from it, but also part of it, the sky and the grass, and also the trees. Maybe I am more like the trees, reaching up to the sky, my feet on the ground. I want to be inside of it. I want the sky and grass inside of me. I am part of the trees, or in part I am the trees, My basil plant needs me to water it. I place it in a sunny spot. I eat the leaves. I am in part a basil tree in a sunny spot. The air feels cool. I breathe it into my lungs. The branches in my lungs resemble tree branches, part of and apart from everything, the sky and the grass. Wow, that was a very evocative self-exploration. Um, I'm plus, I'd like to have you in my kitchen to season my food. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe when I'm on another vacation. <laughs> well, uh, give me a heads up, and we'll we'll plan an Italian night. <laughs> Great. <clears throat> Sarah, thanks so much for calling in and and adding your voice to the conversation about the haiku and for sharing your your own piece. What what are your what are your plans after you uh, get your uh, MFA? To become well, a professional I I... poet. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm really into bookmaking, and so uh, I'm gonna try to stay in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, I, I I really like Ugly Duckling Press. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they do a lot of really great uh, handbound books. So I'd like to get a little bit involved, more involved with them, and uh, maybe try to branch off and do my own thing eventually. Uh, so. That sounds really cool. Thanks. (laughs) Awesome. Well, congratulations on turning in your thesis, and and thanks again for calling in. And we and we look forward to you. I look forward to seeing you at the Cobalt in some season in the future. Yeah, this time we'll have a better uh, reference point. (laughs) That's the guy you were speaking of is isn't coming to the Cobalt anymore. So uh, the open reading uh, at, at least will be shorter. (laughs) <laughs> if Wonderful. not more if not more bearable so cool all right thanks uh, enjoy brooklyn and thanks a lot happy poetry month cool thank you you too okay. all right bye that was sarah calling from uh brooklyn who tried to fool me with an 818 number uh, as if she was around the corner all right ladies and gentlemen we're, we're just about out of time i'm sorry we didn't get to all the all the callers a bunch of people called in at, uh, during the last part of the show there when we were uh just out of time uh, call in early. Uh, if you call in, uh, the earlier you call in, the more likely it is that you'll that you'll get on. I want to uh, thank Don from Sonoma and Michael from Birmingham, Alabama, and Sarah from uh, Brooklyn for uh, uh, calling and conversing with me about uh, various things. Uh, uh, clearly, this was the uh, epic haiku conversation show. Can you say epic haiku and have it be a real thing? I don't know. Uh, We'll be back next week with a special edition of Poetry Superhighway Live in which I'll be in conversation with James Palacio about my new book, Nothing in New England is New, which features many haiku, or maybe not, uh, if you prefer. 
uh, uh, to define such things. Um, and then our next open reading will be on Sunday, May 5th. Mark it in your calendars. Uh, 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 scrawl it on your walls. Uh, don't forget to, uh, to, uh, to be here next week and write something with our uh, writing prompts that are happening on our website, poetrysuperhighway.com. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Bye.